0: JD Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save 50% on Sleep Number Limited Edition smart beds for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or Sleepnumber.com. So we met at the Olive
1: Tree Cafe. I was a waitress there.
2: This is my good friend Juanita. She's married to my other good friend Noah who you'll hear from, too. They've been together for 27 years.
1: I was 19, and Noam was 30, and he worked next door. He'd come in all the time and hang out in the restaurant.
2: You say Noam was 30, and you were 19. Yes. There's something called the divide-two-plus-seven rule, which is essentially what society deals to almost be an acceptable relationship. So you take the older partner's age, you divide it by two, so 30 divided by two is 15, you add seven to that, that gets to 22. And you fell below that line. Yeah. What do you think about that rule? Have you ever heard of that rule before? Have you, you
3: heard of it? I've heard of that rule before, yes. So we were like four years early for what what it should have been. But, but honestly, I, I don't think about our age difference. I, maybe Juanita does. I, I never did. Even, Not even
1: in the beginning?
3: No, I never did.
1: So how'd you think about it?
3: I just
2: loved you, sweetheart.
1: Oh, that's so sweet.
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I've known about the divide and half Add seven years rule for dating Well, for as long as I can remember I don't know where I first heard it Maybe it always seemed relevant to me Because of my parents They had a nearly 20 year age gap My dad was in his 60s when I was born And my mom was in her 40s They were right on the line Of social acceptability According to the divide and half Add seven rule But normally, when you think of couples who break or come close to breaking this rule, you probably don't think of an elderly guy, a middle-aged woman from the Bronx. You're more likely to think of famous people like Alec and Hilaria Baldwin, French President Emmanuel Macron and his wife Brigitte, who is 25 years his senior, or the actresses Sarah Paulson and Holland Taylor with their 32-year age gap. For the most part in the real world today, it's rare to meet a couple with such a large age gap. When I went looking at the numbers, it turns out that most of us, whether we know it or not, are in fact following the rule. And we call it, quote unquote, the rule, though when we started this episode, no one was quite sure whose rule it was, where it came from, or from a data perspective, if it really makes any difference at all. So I'm going to find out how this rule got established, why it persists and whether it even has a place in today's world. I'll talk to couples, researchers and relationship experts like dating advice columnist, Dan Savage.
4: There's something really hardwired uh, in our erotic imaginations about identifying a rule, knowing that's a rule and then crossing, blowing it up, uh, breaking that
2: rule. Shalom folks, I'm Harry Enten and this is Margins of Error, the show where I look for stats in unusual places. Today, we're looking at the divide-and-half-add-seven rule of dating. But before we dig into the stats, and you all know I love digging into the stats, I want to go back in time and figure out when this rule first popped up.
5: How old are you? 30. Why? 30. Let's see. Half of that is 15 plus 7. 22. Isn't that amazing? It just works out. What works out? Well, haven't you ever heard that the girl is supposed to be half the man's age, plus seven?
2: What girl? What man?
5: Never mind. Beat it.
2: That's Maggie McNamara starring opposite William Holden in the 1953 movie The Moon is Blue. While the movie has been lost to the sands of time, that clip does reveal something interesting. Did you notice how she said, quote, the girl is supposed to be half the man's age, plus seven? supposed to be. Now, I've always assumed the rule is there to stop us from being creeps. You know, stay inside the lines, and you're good. But it seems that's a modern interpretation of the rule. For a century or more, it actually represented the ideal age gap that should exist between a man and a woman. From what I can tell, the rule first appeared in the 1879 book Patchwork. ...by an Englishman named Frederick Locker-Lamson... ...who is described on Wikipedia as a quote-unquote man of letters. If you're wondering what the heck makes someone a quote-unquote man of letters... ...listen to this piece of prose quote. I have a well-considered opinion as to the proper ages for man and wife. A wife should be half the age of her husband with seven years added. Thus, if the gentleman is 20 his wife should be 17. If he is 36, she should be 25 and so on. No lady of the ripe age of 57 has a right to indulge in the luxury of a spouse who is less than a century. Got that? The rule pops up again in the 1901 relationship manual, Her Royal Highness Woman and His Majesty Cupid by Max O'Rell, the autobiography of Malcolm X, and even continues to make appearances into the 1990s. But by later in the 1990s, the definition of the rule seems to have begun to change from an ideal age gap to the socially acceptable age gap. You can see this in a 1999 Toronto Star article in which a college student and a high school student give dating advice. They advised a young woman that it was in fact okay for her to be attracted to a young man six months younger than she was.
1: I think rules like that are often born out of what is sort of typical at the time.
2: That's Tara McKinnish, professor of economics at the University of Colorado in Boulder and the author of several studies on age gap relationships.
1: The tradition of this age gap between man and woman, between husband and wife, that makes the most sense in sort of the old style of kind of the male breadwinner. Um, the man wants to get established in the labor market to be able to show the earnings potential. And so it makes sense for men in that world to delay marriage a little bit so they can send that signal. Uh, for women, if they're not trying to have a career, they don't need to wait as long and you end up with sort of younger wife, older husband marriages. The one thing you would expect is as you move away from that model, that older man, younger woman dynamic becomes less common. And that is exactly what happens.
2: Professor McKinnish is exactly right Age gaps in male-female marriages have fallen drastically I went looking at the numbers And found that according to the U.S. Census in the year 1900 28% of married couples married within that last year Broke the divide-and-half-add-seven rule That is, they had a larger age gap Than half the older partner's age Plus seven at the time of marriage By the year 1980, the percentage who broke the rule had fallen to slightly more than 10% of married couples. And by 2019, only a little more than 3% of newly married straight couples broke the rule, according to the American Community Survey. That means over the course of a little more than a century, the percentage dipped from nearly 30% to just more than 3%, which, take it from me as a stats guy, is a pretty big drop. These days, the median age gap within straight couples is just three years, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. But I want to get back to Professor McKinnish and her reasons for the decrease.
1: When you're married, you have to agree on a lot of things jointly, right? You have to agree on where you want to live, what type of lifestyle you want, do you want kids right now? So one thing in a world where you're thinking about marriage not being kind of this male breadwinner model, but as two people you know, jointly making decisions about how to spend a life together, small age gaps actually work well because they're at similar points in the life cycle at the same time, um, and that's less likely to create conflict.
2: It's interesting. One other factor I'm wondering about, which is education. Obviously, socioeconomic variables can be closely related, but my understanding is that there are smaller age gaps, the higher degree of education that a person has. And obviously, what we've been seeing is more and more people are getting college degrees than, say, 50 years ago or 100 years ago, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Absolutely. That's a really important factor. A big change that happened as women started attending and completing college at similar rates to men is that colleges became marriage markets where men and women were meeting at college. And if men and women meet at college, they're going to tend to marry similarly aged people by definition. And so one of the things you see over time is more highly educated people um, are marrying with smaller age gaps. And I think that's happening both because of meeting at college, but also when they go into the workforce, they're often in jobs where they also spend a lot of time with people who are around their same age. And so then it's not a surprise that they end up marrying people who are about their same age.
2: All this makes sense, right? there's a clear and compelling economic reason why the age gaps between newly married couples are dropping. Something else, though, that Professor McKinnish got me thinking about is that people are entering the workforce later and therefore often are looking for a long-term mate later in life. Of course, we need to keep in mind that the half plus seven rule isn't only about the age gap. There's another component that's going on within the rule. When you divide a larger number by two, you're going to have a wider spread between that higher number and that lower number than you would be when you divide a smaller number by two. What this essentially is getting at is that age gaps become more socially acceptable later in life. Noma and Juanita, for example, have always had 11 years between them. But when they first started dating at 30 and 19, the half plus seven rule said you're in an unsocially acceptable relationship. Now, as Noam has entered into his late 50s and Juanita into her mid-40s, the half plus seven rule says, wait a minute, you're in a socially acceptable relationship. Indeed, this portion of the rule is actually quite important to understanding why fewer couples are breaking the rule today versus 40 years ago. Although age gaps have been shrinking over time, they really haven't shrunk significantly in the last 40 years what has happened is that couples are getting married later. Indeed, if you were to look at between, say, 1900 and 1980, there really wasn't much of a difference in the age at marriage. But if you compare 1980 to now, you see a significant difference. Compared to a median age at marriage of 25 for male-female couples in 1980, male and female couples were 31 in their first year of marriage in 2019. This has contributed significantly to fewer couples breaking the divide-by-two-add-seven rule in the last 40 years. The causes of later marriage include the educational and economical we've spoken about. Additionally, data shows people are waiting longer to get married once they find a mate because experts believe they want to make sure the marriage works. But there is one faction of the population where age gap relationships are actually quite widespread. I said earlier that in the year 2019, about 3% of newly married straight couples broke the divide and half at 7 rule. That same year, 15% of newly married male same-sex couples broke the rule. That's 15% compared to just 3% of straight marriages. In a minute, we'll hear from some folks about why they think this statistical divide exists between the gay and straight worlds.
4: I think that gay people are more open to differences, because we are different, and we have to embrace and accept that difference in ourselves before we can be gay people, before we can have a relationship at all. I'm Harry Anton, and this is Margins of Error.
0: This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
3: I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life, lately, we have been paying attention to a very different virus,
2: bird flu, which is caused by the H5N1 virus. If you start to hear that it's circulating in pigs, that would be a concern.
6: That means I would go from sleeping with one eye open to one and a half eyes open. Yeah, that would make me very concerned.
3: Listen to Chasing Life, wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Welcome back. The next couple I spoke to, Chris Hickson and Mitchell Kahn, have 14 years between them. When they met, they were just on the line of the rule. But now, decades into the relationship, the gulf doesn't feel or look
6: so wide. When I did that math on us, it was spot on for when we met. (laughs) He was 44. I had just turned 30. I looked almost like a teenager. And I was already
5: losing my hair. You know,
6: it was was a little weird. But as we age, it's really not. I think most people see us together and they sort of split the difference. They assume that I must be 60 looking younger and he must be 60 looking older. They don't think, oh, wow, they have a big age difference.
2: so why do they think the percentages of couples who break the divide half add 7 rule is so much higher among gay male couples? Here's Mitchell, the older of the two.
5: It sort of makes sense to me because the other person is a bit exotic. For the person who's middle-aged, the youth, the energy, the optimism of the other person is very appealing. For the younger person, for someone in their late teens or twenties or even early thirties, especially for, I think, for gay men, you've been dealing with so many insecurities in terms of being a gay person and to see someone who's made it, who's made it 10, 15 years further than you have and has been able to make a success of their lives is very inspiring. So I think At both ends, there's a lot to be gained from that age gap.
2: When Chris and Mitchell first met, Chris had been divorced and come out as gay just two years earlier. He told me he thinks the age difference can provide stability.
6: I started dating, and basically every one of my own age was a train wreck. And the younger ones were bigger train wrecks. And... I was attracted to the fact that, wow, this guy actually, you know, he has a house, it's furnished. Um, I don't have to pick him up at the dorm room. Um, So there was definitely appeal to that. And I don't know if the divide by two plus seven rule or idea is, is that specific, but there is an appeal to younger, older you know, especially, I think, I mean, with gay guys, even more so I, in general. I, I, than I think more so folks. with
5: gay guys. I think it might be because with heterosexual couples, you always have this unknowability between men and women. And so you need some other differences to maintain that yeah. excitement and tension and... Um, desire for the other person and so I we substitute age, age? age gap or class differences yeah. are very common in gay relationships because it, it adds uh more excitement
6: i think it's interesting so you basically think that age the age difference can take the, the place of the gender difference in a straight yeah, relationship. yeah it
5: adds
2: the unknowability
5: I, I,
6: I might agree with
2: that I took this same question to Dan Savage, the author of the Savage Love Advice column and host of the hugely successful podcast, Savage Lovecast. He had his own theory on why gay male couples are so much more likely to break the divide-in-half-add-seven rule.
4: You know, the difference between gayland and straightland when it comes to things like this is to be gay means you looked your mom in the eye when you were you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 in my case. And compared to telling your mom you're gay and the mental images that then leap to your mother's mind, everything else is less scary in comparison. And the stakes were really high. Telling your friends the truth then about being in an open relationship, about having three ways with your partner, about being in an age gap relationship is not scary. And so I think that gay people are more open about the ways in which our sex lives are different and our relationships are different because we are different and we have to embrace and accept that difference in ourselves before we can be gay people, before we can have a relationship at all. And so I think gay people are just more open to going our own way and constructing our relationships and taking what we want from straight people in straight land, like marriage, and making it our own. When it
2: comes to age gaps in relationships, whether gay or straight relationships, something surprised me in the numbers, the divorce rates. We might assume, based on societal judgment, that relationships with large age gaps are doomed to fail. Although, actually, as I think about it, I'm even hesitant to use the
4: word fail after Dan Savage said the following to me. I think one of the biases here that plays into this, like, oh, that's terrible, age gap relationships, is that people look at that relationship and say, well, nothing really lasting can come of that. As if something lasting has to come of a relationship for both parties to have benefited from it. I'm a big advocate for what I call the STR, the short-term relationship. The idea that a relationship can be an STR and successful.
2: Believe it or not, the difference in divorce rates between similarly aged couples and differently aged couples doesn't actually seem to be that large when I compare different studies. Two of the largest studies we could find using official national data were a 2008 study from the Office of National Statistics in the UK and a 2019 study from Statistics Netherlands. The UK study showed that, quote, preliminary results suggest that there does not appear to be a strong association between marital age difference and the likelihood of divorce. While the Netherlands study found that after 12 years of marriage, divorce rates for couples with an age gap of 10 years or more was 10 points higher than couples with an age gap of less than two years. But, and this is key, overall, about 65% of these large age gap relationships were still successful. So, in other words, whether it's a marginal difference or a 10-point difference, well over half of large age gap marriages last. Professor Tara McKinnish, the economist I spoke to earlier, said that while on the whole, age gap couples reported high levels of marital satisfaction, when those couples experience some kind of shock to the system, like a job loss or financial stress, they are more likely to break down over that shock. They have a harder time navigating it together. But again, these statistics are fairly marginal. And of course, it's hard to pin a relationship breakdown on one factor
4: alone, like an age gap. Here's Dan Savage again. When you see a relationship fall apart, you will look for the things that you wouldn't do or don't do or haven't done and go, okay, my relationship's all right. And people do that around age gaps. Uh, People do that around non-monogamy. People do that around anything that's not normative. And so you have to beware of your own confirmation bias.
2: This confirmation bias idea is something that also came up in a conversation I had with couples therapist James Wadley practices in New Jersey and Pennsylvania.
6: I think it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a challenge, but it can be a challenge if both partners don't come to the table on the same page in terms of their intellectual, emotional, and social functioning. You can date or marry or spend time with somebody who's the same age as you, and you have communication issues, right? If I'm a jerk to another 40-something-year-old person, I can still be a jerk to a 20-something-year-old person. It doesn't matter who I'm with. It's just a matter of me figuring out why I'm such a jerk to the people I spend time with. It's true. A jerk is a jerk is a jerk, right? <laughs> a
2: jerk is a jerk. <laughs> when it comes to challenges in age gap relationships, the two couples I spoke to for this episode, my friends Noam and Winita Jorman from the beginning and Kristen and Mitchell, shared an overlapping concern with me. A particular challenge that does seem unique to couples with a large age gap. And that's the issue of the older partner aging. Chris again.
6: I was like, man, you know, what's going to happen when we're old? And I was precisely right that we would have a sweet spot of probably 15 years Mm -hmm. in the middle. Mm -hmm.
5: Like when I was 45 to 60. Yeah,
6: where we didn't feel the age difference. Early on, we felt the difference. And now again, we're beginning to feel the difference Mitchell's retired, which is weird. Um, You know, a Social Security check comes, which is weird. We have these reminders. The AARP magazine shows up. And I get freaked out because I collect the mail. And I make sure the AARP magazine is wrapped up tight in the center of the stack of mail because I don't want anyone to see it as I'm walking back to our house. I don't want Miralax in the house. I don't want AARP in the house. I don't want, um, you know...
5: Whatever. Senior stuff.
6: This creeping sense that the age
2: gap will catch up to them is something shared by my buddy, Noam. Yeah, I mean, the truth is you get
3: older and you get sick, Mm -hmm. but just playing it out, when you see uh, men in their 70s with wives who are 10, 15 years younger, quite often the woman is still able to help him as he get older. And, you know, it's unfair because then when the woman gets older, she doesn't have anybody to help her. That happened to my grandmother.
1: Well, now that you put it that way.
3: Well, that's exactly <laughs> what happened to my grandmother.
1: So what's the solution in this case? What should I do?
3: Well, hopefully we'll save enough money that you can hire. Um,
1: I shouldn't go out and try to find a younger dude maybe
3: when find, you go? Maybe find a younger dude, yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> hopefully a boy toy trained as a registered nurse. Good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> But this is the truth, this is what I feel like. You know that term when they say age doesn't matter? It kind of really doesn't. It's really more the connection you have with that person, I think, that means more than anything.
2: Research shows that people still feel queasy about big age gaps, even while as a society, it seems like we're more tolerant of other types of relationships. And we can't dismiss the legitimate reasons why power imbalances, financial dependency, immaturity, etc. And the divide-in-half-add-seven rule has long provided us with a neat moral parameter. If our relationship fits comfortably inside the rule, then we're not breaking any social codes. Phew. But what about all the relationships that do break the rule or come close to breaking it, like Noam and Juanita or Chris and Mitchell or even my parents'? I consider all these relationships successful. And what about all the relationships that don't break the rule but struggle for countless other reasons? Can we really put a number on love? I want to end on something Dan Savage told me. When it comes to dating rules, maybe, just maybe, it's time to replace the divide and half add seven rule with something
4: new. Something we can all follow, age gap or not something I call the campsite rule, which I invented and made up uh, borrowing from actual camping. The campsite rule is you leave the campsite in better shape than you found it. And that's always been my advice to the older partner in an age gap relationship. You want to leave your younger partner in better shape than you found them, which means going in with the assumption that it's probably not going to last forever, but no relationship is. But as an older person, you have a particular responsibility to make sure you're not... Messing with somebody's head or leveraging their naivete for your own benefit, you have a responsibility to leave your younger partner in better shape than you found them.
2: Margins of Error is a production of CNN Audio, A Magnificent Noise. It's produced by Sabrina Farhi, Eva Walshover, Jesse Baker, Megan Marcus, and Ashley Lust, with support from Lindsay Abrams and Rafina Ahmad. Our sound designer is Kristen Muller. Our executive producer is Eric Newsom. And I'm, well, I'm Harry Enten.
4: Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country